If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Adio A. Jr. Joining me is Double Fines, Tim Schaefer. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. I've never been in the big, new, fancy studio here. Yeah, when you got here, I was like, oh yeah, welcome back. And then you mentioned that. I was like, oh yeah, I guess you've not been here. That's wild. I've been to the actual spare bedroom. Oh wow, really? (laughs) Like the apartment. Did you come to the studio after that? And then I went to the one the on smaller Ocean. Studio. Yeah, and uh, the smaller studio. And this one is amazing because it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome. Yeah, what do you think beautiful. so far? It's beautiful. Coffee is good. He gave like, me a mug with his, his, him and his dad's face on it. There we go. I feel like the giant video wall is definitely a step up from the small spare bedroom. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome in. I, I know there's like a lot of Double Fine fans in the, in the building, which, is, uh, which makes it really cool that you're here, right? Because like... All what 2022 was Psychonauts 2? 2021? Yeah. yeah, I remember like tw- all of the, 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 the second half of 2021, Barrett Courtney wouldn't shut up about trying to <laughs> having to make me and, and a few other, a uh, few other people play Psychonauts 2. Yeah, I hope you found the time. I'm still waiting, bless. I'm still trying to make the time. <laughs> Look, you guys, I, re- I recommend it. I'll guarantee you money back. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I mean, I'm not really, I'm, I'm getting on Xbox Game Pass anyway, so it's yeah. not like I'm really spending money on, on playing. That's why I, I offered to give you your money back. That's I, fair enough. Yeah. I also, I, one thing I will say for Double Fine and for your games is that I feel like Double Fine is the kind of studio where you, like, if you're not into like one genre of game, you might be able to find another game that you're, that you're super into. Because even though I've not gotten around to uh, Psychonauts 2, I'm a big Broken Age person. Mm-hmm. Like I love, yeah, I loved Broken Age back in the day. And so I'm like, you know, I feel like that's my Double Fine, whereas Psychonauts 2 is, is Baird's Double Fine. But like, if I look around in the office, I'm sure there's going to be some other games that people point out as like, oh no, this is my Double Fine game. Yeah, yeah, I think, because we always try to be not one of those companies that uh, just does one genre. You know, people are like, always like, that, that company's got D, uh, shooter DNA, you know, but we, our DNA is like, just whatever inspires us. Yeah. Whatever makes us feel really creative and, and what we haven't seen before. But uh, with some sort of humor, usually. How does is that still like a, a feasible and fun way to tackle it in 2024? You know, as games continue to grow, yeah. games continue to, to like get more expansive, more expensive to make, and all this stuff. How is it chasing that double fine energy of hey, we we want to be creative, we want to go with what the flow of what our creative spirits are telling us? Yeah, I mean, I think that's always because I've been doing it now for like 30 years, and like. I feel like the, one of the most challenging things for doing games for a long period of time is just staying uh, inspired and engaged. You see people, it, it's a lot, of, a lot of burnout in the industry, you know, because people get exhausted and uh, kind of sometimes treated harshly, you know, and, and I think a lot of it is just being in touch with, like, why do you love games? Like, why did you start playing games in the first place when you're young, younger? So, so, yeah, I think it's, it's essential to survival in the games industry is to really be constantly looking into yourself and saying, what do, I, what do I love about games and how can I make more of that? Like, what do I want to mm. put into the, what do I want to make more of in this world? And Because that will just make you every day just more excited about going to work and making stuff. Hell yeah. 
And that's also a thing I think that Day of the Devs does, right? Yeah. You're here, and uh, Greg Rice is in the back, is here to talk a bit about Day of the Devs, which we'll get to in a second in the show. But of course, Day of the Devs is a really cool event that you guys put on to highlight really cool indie games in the space. Mm -hmm. You guys just went 100% nonprofit, nonprofit, which is really exciting. Independent. And I got to go to Day of the Devs during, um, not Summer Game Fest, the Game Awards, uh, mm -hmm. when you guys were holding it uh, about a month or so ago. And it's really cool to go and to see just the amount of different types of games that are there. Like I did a whole preview on our Gamescast um, at the week, a, few, a few weeks after where I talked about all the games that I played and it went from me talking about a fighting game where you get um, like one or two hits before you die to then talking about another game. I forget exactly what it's called, but it was like a toilet paper game where you like mm -hmm. shove a Joy-Con mm -hmm. into a toilet paper roll mm -hmm. and you have a piece of cardboard and you're like, you know, leaning it back and forth to try mm -hmm. and navigate a maze on the screen. Like those are the kind of games that you guys highlight at Day of the Devs and for that, like I'm actually I'm 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 excited whenever it comes back around, yeah. right? And so shout out to them. me too. Like we put the sizzle reel together for all the games in the show, and you, when you watch them like one after another, you're like, that's right, video games are amazing. Yeah, <laughs> video games can be so cool, and you can do so many creative things with them. Right. Um, before we get into the show proper, one question I like to ask guests on the show: What is your favorite game of all time? Oh man, you know, for years I would have said something different things, but I feel like it might be Breath of the Wild. I think now. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think I really, I lived in that game for so long and I never wanted it to end and I would just come back to it and just kind of walk around. It, was, it really took over. I, I think my number one thing in games is just exploration. I just love to just find little hidden things around corners and that game was just, it's just so rich with that. Have you gotten around to Tears of the Kingdom? Oh yeah. No, now I'm living in that. I got, <laughs> yeah, that's a game where I pop in and out of, like I was playing Tears of the Kingdom for a long time. I popped out and I played through Cocoon. If you played, uh, oh yeah. Really, I love puzzle games like, um, uh, like that. And, and then now I'm back into it. And then in different ways, like I just started going into the depths and for a while, I just, for months, I just lived in the depths. I was becoming this weird underground cave yeah. dwelling person. Becoming like a mole creature. Yeah. It felt like old, old, there's something about, it feels like you're, you're in a place where you shouldn't necessarily be. Like they didn't even, you're standing on a rock. They didn't think you'd think, I don't know. I was really obsessed with it. But now I'm back up in the sunshine, everybody. It's oh, healthy. Yeah. It's funny because uh, well, I feel like often now within the last year, people will be like, okay, what's your favorite game of all time? Because my answer for the longest time also has been Breath of the Wild. And since Tears of the Kingdom com has come out, people are like, oh, so it must be Tears of the Kingdom because it's like the upgraded version of Breath of the Wild. And I'm like, ah, oh, but there's something about that first time you step into yeah. that world that really makes it special. Like Tears yeah. of the Kingdom is special for... Yeah, all the upgrades, all the like the building stuff, the way the way they expanded to the skies and then also the depths. But there's something about when you first step out of that cave in Breath of the Wild and you just have this world that you've not seen before that's just ready for you to explore and like you explore it. And it is it is that perfect gameplay loop of finding something every few steps that excites you. Mm -hmm. That still I think still has Breath of the Wild claiming that spot, even though Tears of the Kingdom might technically be a better game. Yeah. It's just you're right. I mean, you can never uh, you forget that first experience you had. It's like your favorite author. Like the first book you read by them will probably be your favorite for a long time because yeah. it's so different than anything else you ever read. But then it's, it's really hard to be so different again from themselves. Yeah. Well, I love enough it. enough love about it. all that. Let's Not talk about today's things. stories, which include Day of the Devs Goes Nonprofit, Ooh. Persona 3 Reload Reviews are here, and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday, we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about live on YouTube, Twitch, and podcast services around the globe. If you love what we do, please support us with the Kind of Funny membership on Patreon or YouTube to get all of our shows ad-free, watch us record them live, and get a daily exclusive show. For a chance to be a part of the show, submit your thoughts and opinions as YouTube Super Chats as we go. Housekeeping for you. 
Our Persona 3 Reload review is up right now as a PS I Love You XOXO. That's over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. A new Kind of Funny podcast is up all about the Super Bowl. Uh, that's up on, over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producer, Delaney Twining. Today brought to you by the Kind of Funny membership, but we'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have seven stories today. A baker's dozen. So if, you that, if you think that's crazy, wait for the smoke machines. <laughs> like the smoke machines is what usually uh, <laughs> catches guests off guard. Let's start off with story number one. Day of the Devs is now 100% non-profit. Uh, for this story, we're going to invite on Greg Rice, who's the lead curator of Day of the Devs to hang out with <laughs> us. I'm going to read from a couple of tweets. I like that microphone. That the Day of the Devs account put out on Twitter saying, Day of the Devs is now 100% independent, <laughs> non-profit property. Uh, our mission has always been to help. We didn't, <laughs> didn't cover how tall Greg is. Yeah, yeah. You should be in the chair. I should be standing. That's actually, it, this yeah. actually works. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, our mission is always... This is hilarious. You're on your knees. And like yeah, you're the same works. height. As, you're yeah. still taller than me on the, the camera. about this. You invited the tallest guy in games on and didn't give me a chair. Our mission has always been to help independent developers connect with their communities. Going nonprofit will help us do that, but to make it work, we're going to need your help. And then you guys point to uh, to a link. Uh, your support and generosity will help us pay for future events, staff, food, video production, and more. Uh, we have big plans for 2024 and beyond, and we want to keep Day of the Devs free for everyone. Please consider donating, and yeah, there are rewards. Greg, I'm going to throw to you. I, we talked about a little bit about Day of the Devs at the top of the show, but for you as lead curator, how would you describe Day of the Devs? Uh, it's a party. Well, it started as a party. It's kind of grown into something else, but we've been doing this for over a decade now, and I uh, just wanted to throw a cool, fun event showing off the most interesting, kind of innovative games that we can find, and it's just really grown over the years. Now we've got showcases, so there's digital streams which people might have seen and maybe are more familiar with, but still throwing parties here in San Francisco, now also LA, and just trying to get spread the word on awesome indie games. I believe summer, uh, after Summer Game Fest, I feel like in the last couple of years, you've had a Day of the Dev stream that people will probably recognize. Yeah, that was a big one. I mean, with when you put yourself behind Keeley, you're going to get views, right? Yeah. So we had like <laughs> over a million people watch that first one, and now we've done, from, done them for the Game Awards as well. And those have really grown. I think they've helped just get us exposure, and hopefully that turns out meaning more people show up in person as well. So what does going nonprofit mean for you guys? Like, how does that change things from the inside, but then also for what the audience can expect out of it? I think it's kind of just uh, making official the way we've always behaved. Like, we've always, Day of the Dead was seen as something like platform agnostic, all about all kinds of games, a big diversity of games and games from underrepresented groups. And we just were always putting that out there as like, a, this is just a fun serve. This isn't like a marketing driven show or any sort of like uh, with any sort of business agenda. But we were still a business doing it. And so it felt like it was clarified everything to make it what it really is, which is it's not about profit. It's a, it's a, a, a beneficial organization that just wants to promote amazing video games and developers and do something for the fans. So being nonprofit means it's driven entirely by sponsorships and um, donations, including individual donations. Oh, oh we got Greg. You could hear his knees just bleeding on the floor. <laughs> oh, good. The, to the tallest chair. The tallest <laughs> no, chair that we have. But so now it's an official nonprofit and people can donate and they can get uh, this is the, there's like um, swag you can get. You can Dave the, I'm wearing Dave the socks right now. Oh, oh and you're wearing Dave the shirt. Pretend that you could just CG in a leg that is very more flexible than me. But anyway, Dave the socks and mugs. 
Yeah, and we kind of always ran it as a nonprofit, so it's not like we're making money off of this. This was something we were volunteering our time for and just kind of mm -hmm. putting out out of goodwill. So uh, it just allows us to be a lot more transparent with how we raise the money and hopefully um, do even more this year if we can if we can raise some. You guys already have plan uh, events planned or announced for this year? Yeah, event? we announced that uh, I think as part of the campaign too. So for GDC, we'll be doing a showcase both on the floor, which we've been doing for a while, but also our big main Midway show will be during GDC this year, so hopefully more people will be in town for that, and it'll just mean bigger attendance. Yeah, if you ever go to, G to Day That Does Before in San Francisco, it's usually uh, in November, early November, mm -hmm. and now it's going to be uh, in the springtime, the summer, the Sunday before. Specifically GDC. March 17th, uh, and it's free, so if you're around the Bay Area, show up and you can just come right in. And then there's a new one this year too, which is we're doing a small showcase at SF MoMA. So that'll be cool. We're going to take kind of the most artistic things from the lineup and show them on a big screen at MoMA. Hell yeah. In the museum where they belong. That's yes. awesome. <laughs> Holy cow. So for you guys, for Day of the Devs, right? Like I talked about how, you know, again, I went um, after, uh, during Game Awards weekend, right? And it was such a cool time. I got to discover such cool games and, and um, you know, have a blast. Also shout out to the game, uh, like the big, um, the AI, like, are, can you can you not get hit by an air car or no can you get hit by an air car how to not get hit by a self-driving car yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> right and like yeah. it was like this big thing outside that people would do and like i, I have the video on my instagram of me have like trying to break dance to get to like the the, the, the front of the thing that's the kind of cool things that y'all do at day of the devs how long has day of the devs been going and like what i guess is like the continuing objective to like kind of keep you guys going with it I'm bad with past. I think 12 years. I can't remember the first, maybe 11. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's been a bit now. Don't um, notice I'm as tall as you now. Did not work out. <laughs> <laughs> and we've always had a mix of games. Games music, too, has always been a big thing. The yeah. very first year, we had uh, Transistor soundtrack played live. So we've always tried to have things like that, uh, hot new game soundtracks being played live. Uh, and also the all control stuff has kind of been there from the start. But mm. I think the, the goal is always to kind of shed light on games that are uh, artistic, kind of pushing the medium forward, innovating in interesting ways, and really looking for games from emerging creators, underrepresented creators, and putting that at the forefront too. And you mentioned uh, Broken Age back then. That was one of the first things we wanted to share. We were, that's where a lot of it came from. It was like, we want to share Broken Age. What kind of show we want to share Broken Age at? Because it was a different kind of game. It was an adventure game. And like, what's the vibe that we want to have? And a lot of, you know, trade shows can be, um, they can be, uh, really bombastic. I remember just like hiding outside of E3 one year because like the, the, all the big platform booths were so loud and like yeah. <laughs> really huge and expensive and trying to outdo each other with volume. And like, we want to have a more chill vibe and a more, but still a festival positive vibe and just, um, and, and, and there's been some fan focused shows that sometimes they, there's been some negative vibes, some shows we want none of that. We want to have just really happy show for all ages. Mm -hmm. Like you can bring your kids, uh, and it's free. And it's like a celebration of the developers and the fans coming together. Cause there's this really low bar, like you, there's no big booths. Everyone's booth is like the same. And, and you can walk right up and the developers are demoing their games and you can have a nice conversation and it's, uh, you can go outside and eat food and you can listen to music from the games that you like. Yeah, there's an element there that people might not see behind the scenes too, which is we come from a development background. We put a lot of these booths together at events. We know the work that that takes. So we try to put a lot of attention into really uh, putting a spotlight on the devs and making it easy, fun time for them. So we handle all the setup. We handle all the hardware. They can uh, just kind of come in and, and have a good time, enjoy the party. Yeah. I got, I got a two-part question. One, are there any Day of the Dev success stories that you know that you hold near and dear that you like that, that you care to share? And then also, are there any games that have been shown at Day of the Devs throughout the years where you're like, oh man, this is like a top one for me that uh, that you want to shout out? 
Yeah, I mean, the bundle is a good place for that. So mm-hmm. the bundle, I think, that we're putting together, I think if you donate $100 in the tier, you get something like 30 games. And those are games that have all shown at Day of the Devs throughout the year. A lot of them are actually from the very first show, which <coughs> is cool, like like Broken Age and uh, Mercenary Kings and, and Super Time Force. Uh, I think the one I think about a lot is, we. I think we were the first place that showed uh, Untitled Goose Game. So that was oh, one that's really that's excited cool. for me. Uh, it was nice to have that on the floor. I think John said that's line. why they had to pick that name, because the show was coming up and they didn't have a title yet. And they're like, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's not just independent games, too. We try to show games that just we think have an artistic eye, too. So we've had games like Kingdom Hearts 3 in the past, too, and mm-hmm. you have to kind of handle a special line set for those because uh, they, they bring a lot of a crowd. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice to see the variety that's on, on display yep. there. Heck, yeah. Awesome. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming through. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for yeah. sharing about Day of the Devs. Very excited for GDC. Yes, we'll see you there. Yeah. All right. Have Talk a good one. Thanks for coming. Look at that. We can all... Readjust our cameras. There you go. <laughs> we're just gonna leave. See, now we look tall again. Yeah, we're gonna be the Greg Memorial chair. Yeah, were you this short before? I feel. I feel like you can adjust your chair. I up. went up. <laughs> I went at the match. I, we should be exactly the same. No. Nope. There we go. I guess I underestimate how short I am. Okay, so, no, that's, that looks good. That looks good. <laughs> we look good. Moving on. To story number two, uh, we got a Persona 3 Reload review roundup for you. Right now on Metacritic, it is sitting at an 89. On OpenCritic, it's sitting at a 90. We're gonna start off with Michael Hyam, my roommate at. IGN, who gave it a 9 out of 10 and said, Ooh. A stellar visual overhaul and countless small changes and additions beyond it leave a significant impact, making Persona 3 Reload a more fully realized version of a beloved RPG. Although still dated in some respects, quality of life improvements and new features refresh its exciting turn-based combat and add depth uh, to its touching story moments. <clears throat> Through an incredible new voice cast that embodies these unforgettable characters and an endearing uh, soundtrack to reforge its identity, Persona 3 Reload tells a powerful, timeless story of tragedy and hope with sharp emotional sincerity. This is the kind of remake I've hoped for, and even after spending 70 hours to see it all the way through to its conclusion, I still find it hard to believe it's real. Jess Cogswell over at GameSpot gave it a 9 out of 10 and says, simply put, Reload is the greatest way to experience Persona 3's story, and Persona 3's story is one well worth experiencing. While it might not be the definitive edition or even a remake in the same vein as something like Persona 5 Royal, it contains enough changes and upgrades to make it an extremely worthwhile play for repeat players and newcomers alike. And then Con Saren at Eurogamer gave it a 4 out of 5 and says, Reload adds welcome modernizations to the wonderfully deadly coming-of-age story uh, that captured hearts in 2006, though visual tweaks undermine the thematic coherence. Tim, I heard before the show that you're a big Persona fan. I do love Persona. I've only played 5. I'm a big Persona 5 fan. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing 3 after hearing all these reviews. But uh, I love the balance. I love, I love um, when RPGs do that balance of big, big, big uh, powers and spectacle and then everyday life. You know, like you have to, oh, I got to get a gift for this person I'm trying to be friends with. Yeah. I got to figure out what kind of things they might want. And then you're in high school and worry about high school stuff. But then also, oh, yeah, and I have to fight these giant uh, psychological manifestations of people's traumas. That's very much like Psychonauts in a, in a strange way. The games Persona and Psychonauts both go into mental worlds, you know, mm-hmm. and both deal with things that are essentially metaphors for people's emotional traumas. Yeah. So, I mean, that balance is what I was talking about in our review that went up this morning when um, me, Barrett, me, Barrett, and Joey were recording and, t- and talking about our impressions. There is a balance to Persona that is so clean and is so engaging, and it's quite wild how well they pull it off, right? Mm-hmm. Between all the Persona games that I've played. Because now at this point I have played, I've played and finished Persona 4 Golden, which is one of one of my favorite games ever. Played and finished Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal. And I am about, about 30 hours into Persona 3 Reload. And in all of them, that balance of 
hanging out, doing like the life sim stuff, right? Picking out, picking which person I want to, you know, do my social link with and then, you know, go and study and then figure out like, all right, I'm going to work here tonight so I can upgrade my confidence and my charm. But then also I need to make money at the same time. <laughs> like balancing all that stuff, but then the other half of it of going in and doing the dungeon crawling and have to, having to either confront your own self or like invade somebody's <laughs> mind in Persona <laughs> 5. It is wild how, you know, very different those gameplay elements are but how well they bring them together and make it actually flow and make it actually work and so far i am loving persona 3 i still feel even though i'm 30 hours in like i'm early enough to where i've still not gotten to like the meat of the story which is kind of wild to say after 30 hours in yeah. but i'm still having a blast yeah, yeah. like i i, I can tell that this, the best is yet to come but i'm still having a fun time because the gameplay loop it's just still so fun okay so you can be my guide to future persona explorations i should go back and play three after playing five Oh yeah, I think three reload for sure. Three is that the best one. Three, I think it depends on who you ask. Controversial. Yeah, I know. Like, I've, quite a few people on Twitter already, like, who have yeah. gotten to play three reload or played three in the past. I, I've seen quite a few people talk about how three is the best one, but also I know enough people, namely me, that will tell you that four golden is is their mm. favorite. But also, I know plenty. Of, I think Barrett is like a Persona Five royal person. Tim, you can check out my every Persona game ranked video over oh, on YouTube. Oh, makes it simple. You so go. you played five, and then you played five royal. Yeah. The whole each one the whole all the yeah. way through because yep. there's enough new stuff in the yeah in royal okay yeah it was also i i think i mean i'm not as big of a persona sicko as barrett because barrett has played five like four times three times uh, more yeah <laughs> oh my god barrett's played persona five more times than i think anybody needed, <laughs> needs to play persona five i've played like i played that's five long, that's a long game yeah yeah uh yeah 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 yeah, in Persona Six, you know. Are you playing it right now? Are you playing it right now? You no, look. I think I... it's off screen. You're playing it right now. Oh God! Yeah, that was long. He caught me. The thing is, he just finished playing Persona Three Reload. He put in like ninety something hours into that. Um, whereas for me, coming off of Persona Five, I, I mean, I really loved my time with Persona Five. But then, what? Three years had passed uh, uh, mm -hmm. until they put out Royal, and at that time, I was like, okay, I'm kind of craving it again. Like, I kind of want to jump back into this world, and so, like, it hit for me in that way. And now, what? We're in 2024. And I'm craving it again. Like I'm, yeah, kinda, yeah. I kind of want to jump back into that type of world. I think what helps is that there's not many other games like Persona. Like yeah, plenty of other RPGs, obviously, and plenty of other yeah. dungeon crawlers and stuff. And then also on the other, on the other hand, you have a lot of life sims and you have a lot of dating sims and a lot of that type of stuff. But Persona brings it together in such a rare way that I'm surprised to not see way more um, studios try to like copy and figure out how to do that exact thing. Mm. Um, but I think it's just because it's difficult. I think not not everybody can pull that off um but yeah like i'm i'm having such a blast going back to persona 3 but i don't know if i would say yet that i think it's the best one because i'm still early but i will say that i am having a blast and i could see it growing into that potential for me like i'm enjoying where the story is so far yeah. and i i can tell that they're planting seeds for big twists and turns and stuff to happen i just met a really cool character the other the other day that's like oh snap okay what's their deal like they <laughs> seem really interesting and so um it's that plus if you're coming off of persona 5 one of the biggest compliments and maybe like little critiques you can throw at it is that they took so many of the Persona 5 elements, like the visual elements, the modernization, the flow of combat, all that stuff. If you really liked how Persona 5 um, looked and feels to play, they brought it back. They brought it back. Yeah. Like that is how Persona 3 plays now with Reload. And I think a lot of that stuff works. I think there's some of it where it's like, oh, man, this might be two Persona 5 in some in some instances. But I wouldn't know. Yeah, I think overall it works. I think overall it uh, it hits. Cool. It'll yeah. make me feel comfortable. I'll just play them in the order that they remaster them. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, at the, I'm of the mind, Barrett, I don't know what you think about this. I think eventually they're going to have to remake 4. I don't think we get that for a long time. 
Define a long time. Uh, it was like another decade. Another decade. You're watching to see how many times he's played yeah. it. As soon as he's played it eight times, they'll remaster it. Yeah, yeah. Let me play Persona 4 Golden like at least ten times, and then then they'll get to a, a remake or Persona 4, 4 Golden. I think if I had a guess, I just know that they like from like the rumor mill and all that stuff. It sounds like they're focused a <clears throat> bit more on the future right now. So yeah, just yeah. keep in mind I'm the person you told you didn't have time to play Psychonauts two yet, and you've played Persona ten times. No, I, the Barrett is no, the one who I, did play oh, you, Psychonauts. Oh, Psychonauts 2 was my game of the year in 2021. I was trying to convince everybody else. Oh, I was thinking of another person back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're okay. thinking of me, probably. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, the yeah. one who still hasn't, has, they, hasn't played People it. get us mixed up all the time. just enough time had gone by before someone had mentioned Psychonauts 2. I just had to bring it up again. Psychonauts 2. Yeah. So you're going to play Reload? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about what the next big thing is I'll get into. I'm playing like, I'm going to get into Alan Wake probably, and then... Nice. Uh, and then we'll go back in Tears of the Kingdom. Like in between... I'm putting off finishing. I've never actually played the final. I always put off Ganon for a long time. Yeah. The final battle. I'll so say, like, what is gaming like for you nowadays? Yeah. Is it the thing of you, you're involved so much in games during your work yeah. that you come home and it's like, let me just rest. Let me read a book. <laughs> no, this is, the, this is the funny thing about being on a show like this, that you all are professional, games professionals in a different way than I am. Like, mm -hmm. I'm so into like our, the game I'm making. Usually I get so heads down into it that I, um, uh, but you, you all have to know about every everything really broad like every single game that's going on you got to like you get into and, and figure out and um so it's a, maybe a little more focused but i think if you're making games you, you can it's really easy you talk to people who are maybe a little older have kids in the games industry like i don't even have time to play games now they'll say but i feel like mm -hmm. that's really dangerous because if you stop playing games i think it shows i mean because when i'm playing games i just have so many ideas for things like oh that's yeah. cool but i want to do something different i want to put that in my game and you'll have other ideas while you're playing the games and uh it's really important to find some time. It's just it's harder if you uh, want to go to sleep at a different time. I think when you're young, when you're younger, you're like, well, I'll just play games from ten to three in the morning, and that'll be my gaming time. But, uh, so uh, you, currently, you're playing uh, Tears, and it sounds like you're going to bounce between that and Alan Wake. Is there any other games that you're that you're jumping into? Uh, in and out of everything, you know, trying out new things like Baldur's Gate three or nice. uh, uh, Patrick's Parabox. Hell Parabox. yeah, I yeah, love yeah, yeah. Patrick's Parabox. Yeah, yeah. I love I love puzzle games. I went back and played the old Fire and Ice on the NES um, on the Switch. There's a, they played the old NES games. So there's a a cube pushing like ice and fire game that was really um, mm. I, I like I do like puzzle games. Have you ever played um, Manifold Garden? I know what that is. And was that ever? Oh, Greg's gone. Was that in the other desk? Anyway, uh, I haven't played it yet. Okay, that's one that I would recommend if yeah, you're a yeah. big puzzle game person, especially okay. if you like the first person like trippy perspective, like persona uh, not persona portal. Uh, inspired type stuff. I think mm -hmm. Manifold Garden is great for that. Also, what was the one that came out last year with the photographs, Barrett? Yeah, that got a lot of like... Oh, uh... Pho photograph? No. This is a, the one where you take... Something? It was like a perspective type puzzle yeah, yeah, yeah. game. Viewfinder, Viewfinder, thank you, There chat. you go. Okay. Yeah, Viewfinder, if you like those kind of games too, thank I would you, say chat. Viewfinder is probably worth checking out. Um, we do have a YouTube super chat written in from Logan Jensen who writes in and says, Tim, I'm an indie developer with a team of three and you're a huge inspiration for me and the team. I don't shut up about full throttle. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep talking about full throttle. There you go. That's we remastered the, that game. Yeah. That's <laughs> to the point of like, I feel like everybody has a double fine game that like they identify with. Cause yeah, there's that there's, um, was double fine brutal legend. Yeah. I saw, I forget what I was doing the other day where I saw a lot of people showing love for brutal legend. But yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, we have been around for twenty three years. Yeah, but um, uh, that's great that they love a full throttle. And I, good luck with your indie game. We should submit it to Day of the Devs. There you go. Go to devs dot com and submit the games. Go to devs dot com. Yeah, you know where else you should go? 
patreon.com slash kind of funny over on patreon.com slash kind of funny you can go and get the show ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors kind of funny turns nine years old today we could have made it nine days without your support that's why 2024 is all about doubling down on our shows and making it simpler than ever for you to get the most out of our content our revamped kind of funny membership is your one-stop shop for all our amazing content which now includes on a weekly basis the kind of funny podcast in review the kind of funny games cast p.s i love you xoxo the kind of funny x cast the brand new series kind of funny game showdown Five episodes of Kinda Funny Games Daily and five exclusive Gregway vlogs. And five days of streaming fun with me and the gang here in our newly revamped streaming space. It's gonna be filled with a ton of laughter and a whole lot of shenanigans. We'll see you there. That's more than 20 pieces of content a week from an 11-person independent team in San Francisco. That's a lot. And to get the most out of it, all we're asking for is $10. $10 gets you the Kind of Funny membership, and that entitles you to ad-free versions of the shows, the ability to watch the podcast live as we record them, and the exclusive access to my daily show, Gregway. You can get your Kind of Funny membership on patreon.com slash kindoffunny or youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Yes, we are expanding our Kind of Funny membership offering to YouTube so people can take full advantage of the platform they prefer. If you want to go above and beyond the Kind of Funny membership to support us, we will still have higher Patreon tiers, albeit with some changed up perks. We just wanted to make the message as clear as possible that the $10 Kind of Funny membership is for the masses to get all the core content people love. Everything above that is very appreciated. The support means the world to us. You all are the best. But the $10 Kind of Funny membership available on both Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny and YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games is where we see the value of what we do. Kind of Funny is a dream come true and we wouldn't have it without you. We hope if you've ever enjoyed the content, you can support us for at least a month as we prepare for our biggest year ever. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And we're back with story number three. Celeste 64 has been announced Ooh. and released. This is Wesley LeBlanc at Game Informer. That's great. 
Yeah, really cool. Did you I see this stuff. last night? I know this. I'm finding out this live. Oh this yeah, show. this is good news. Uh, Maddie makes games is celebrating Celeste's sixth anniversary with its most ambitious reimagining of the cult favorite platformer yet. Celeste 64, Fragments of the Mountain, uh, which you can play right now on itch.io, imagines a fully 3D version of the cult favorite platformer for the N64, complete with squat polygonal graphics and unique traversal challenges. The game's description reads, quote, Relive the magic of Celeste Mountain alongside Madeline in this small, heartfelt 3D platformer, created in a week-ish uh, by the Celeste team to celebrate the game's sixth anniversary, end quote. Despite being developed in a short amount of time, uh, Celeste 64 packs a surprising amount of content, including bonus stages with music reminiscent of Super Mario Sunshine. It also includes dialogue that takes place after the original game, uh, marking it as a little bit of a sequel. I saw this as it was happening last night. I like saw the tweet from, I think it was Maddie Makes Games. It might have been from Lena Rain, the, the, the composer. But I saw like Celeste 64 and then like the itch.io link, and I was like... What? Like, what's going on here? And I didn't look up anything else. I immediately clicked the itch.io link, downloaded it, and booted up the game to see. And as soon as I booted up, yeah, like, what you're seeing on screen here, right? The 3D platformer version of Celeste. Mm -hmm. Like, I booted up, and I was like, oh, they just put out a cool little game. Like, a cool little celebration of the anniversary. I believe it's probably, like, an hour to two hours to, to, to complete, depending on your skill level. But it's really neat. I'm excited. I, lo I love the way it looks, and I love that era, you know? Yeah. But I also love Celeste a lot. I, and also, when it, Celeste first came out, there's a lot of games around that time that were like, this game's really hard, oh, it's so super punishing and super hard, and I never really was drawn to that because I'm not the most, like, fast reflex player. You mm -hmm. know, I like adventure games and things that you can, you know, take, take your time with. Um, but Celeste is one of those games that is, seems really hard at first, but then you feel your brain, like, adapting into it, and all of a sudden you're you're going through something that seemed impossible before and you're dashing around and you feel like you've learned this weird ballet skill or something. Yeah. And you feel like you're, there's this elegance to it that you're like, oh my gosh, I just, like, like a room that you, you die a million times on, but you do the first part again, but you're doing it really well. And you're like, how did I learn how to do this? Yeah. It's, I think there is such a elegance and balance to creating a game that's difficult, but it teaches the player how to yeah. adapt to its difficulty. Yeah. And I think Celeste does that. Probably what better than most games. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like the the fact that there are really advanced mechanics in Celeste of like, oh yeah, if you hold up at this part of the jump, then you'll launch yourself and do all this shit that I still can't even do. But the game like gives you the option to like mm -hmm. do those levels if you want and hopefully learn and get better and do all that stuff. Like I think there's a balance there that is incredible and it brings it back to you. You know, I am I am the kind of player that likes to do like difficult stuff mm -hmm. mechanically. Like I really like fighting games. I've been playing a lot of Tekken Eight in the last mm -hmm. couple of weeks. Uh, and yesterday, I was just in the practice mode, like, learning the 10-hit combo for um, the character Victor. And, like, I got it in a few minutes, and I was like, oh, man, that's such a satisfying feeling. I love that. Um, but at the same time, not every game tackles it in that way where it, um, like, it presents itself as inviting for that, right? Like, I look at games like Elden Ring or Sekiro, and those are difficult games. Those games, though, you got to have to, like... Be ready. You gotta have to be the kind of person that is willing to grapple with dying and you know pushing through and doing all that stuff. And I think that stuff is good for those kind of players, right? I think that yeah. stuff hits if you're that type of player. But everybody has a different place where they're at in terms of like that type of experience. So having a game like Celeste that goes, hey, it, this is difficult, but we're gonna encourage you. <laughs> like yeah, we're yeah. going to you know give you little yeah. objectives and like you know give you an assist mode if you need the assist mode. But then also. Yeah, like have the notes that are don't give up, like keep pushing. Yeah, I think that stuff goes a long way into getting people into it. Totally. Like I, I remember the first time I was bouncing off a Souls game, I needed like someone to come. I needed you need kind of a guide with those games. Like you need a friend who's like, 
it's not as hard. It's not as bad as you think. Yeah. Listen, just dodge. Look at it. Sometimes you need a like, guide to kind of help you through, and then you start to get into it and liking it. And, and Celeste, it's like its own guide, I think. Yeah, 100%. Moving on to story number four. Universal has shown the first images of Super Nintendo World Orlando. This is Chris Scolian at Video Games Chronicle. The first images of the Orlando version of Super Nintendo World have been shared as posted on the official Nintendo of America Twitter account and shared in a YouTube video posted by Universal. The images show the park's entrance at the Universal Epic Universe Resort. Universal Epic Universe is an entirely new theme park set to open in summer 2025 and will be the fourth theme park at Universal Orlando, along with Universal Studios, Islands of Adventure and Volcano Bay. Epic Universe uh, will consist of five separate themed worlds, one of which is Super Nintendo World. Based on the concept photos and Murphy's comments, the Orlando version of Super Nintendo World looks set to include the extra Donkey Kong area on the day it opens. Uh, the first version of Super Nintendo World opened in Universal Studios Japan in March 2021, with a second version opening at Universal Studios Hollywood in February 2023. Another is planned for Universal Studios Singapore. Tim, are you, are you a theme park person? Does this cool. excite you? I do love, I do love theme parks, any place that transports you out of like the everyday world. I love, I love Disneyland. I have not been to that uh, Universal, I've been to Universal, but I've not been to the, um, the Mario World in, in, have you been there? No, I've not been there either. Yeah, I really want to cool. go. It looks cool. But now this one looks bigger, like everything in Florida. But I've never been to Florida. You've never been to, like, you've never, I've never been, been to, to Florida, Florida, period. Period. I've never been to oh. Disney World. Disney World, I, I went to Disney World when I was eight years old and i yeah. don't remember much about it and yeah. so i want to go back again and i honestly i think this would be the occasion to bring me back like i, yeah. I would be so down to visit super nintendo world especially if they have the donkey kong stuff mm -hmm. uh there because i love donkey kong um but yeah like i i just the idea of going to super nintendo world yeah. period excites me like i want to go down to the one that's in la area because like i went to disneyland for the first time recently oh. and i had such a blast yeah like it was such a good time that and then um the like Marvel um, world that they have in the other park that's right next to D Disneyland. California Adventure. Yeah, California yeah, Adventure. Yeah. Like that, I have such, I had such a good time going, especially this last um, year when I when I went with a bunch of friends. Um, and so yeah, I'm totally down for this. I'm super excited for this. I'm also excited to see the ways in which they expand this stuff. Me and Tim, me and other Tim, uh, Tim Gettys on our team. Your talk, Tim. Our Tim. Yeah, we talked <laughs> about. Um, you know, it seems like they could be working on a Zelda thing because they had Awanuma uh, in like in a construction outfit um, uh, the other day that posted on Twitter. And like, I love the idea of that. I love, like you said, right? Like going somewhere that's going to take me out of the reality that, I, that I'm in and transport me somewhere else. And like Nintendo doing that is, that is my version of that, yeah. right? Like I am, I like Disney. I grew up with Disney, right? But like, I am. I love Nintendo. And so if you give me a Nintendo world to get lost in and do all this stuff in, like, sign me up. Totally. And, yeah, I, I would love to go there. And I love, I, I'm a sucker for anything that takes you out. Like, theme restaurants, tiki bars. I think it's all the same thing. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to leave the everyday world and I want to go to a magical place. And having that be um, uh, Mario would be a special one. But I can't. I would love to go. If you can make a theme park using a double fine <clears throat> IP or game, oh, man. which one would you choose? I mean, that would be like the world of heavy metal from Brutal Legend would be fun to be in. That'd be sick. And you could all have different factions. People could. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We should probably get on that. I'm, I'm biased towards Broken Age because, like, <laughs> that's the one that I played and loved. But, like, also, I think the space crossing into, like, kind of fantasy, like, I think yeah. you could do really cool things just with the set, with, like, the world design yeah, of a yeah. Broken Age theme park. I know yeah, Barry yeah. would love I, mean, I, would, I would, would love to do any of them, but Brutal Legend is just the biggest world I think we made. Mm -hmm. Biggest cohesive, like, designed, designed world. Barry, what's up? Big teeth slide. 
There you go. Just an idea. Big teeth? You said teeth? Yeah. Oh, God, I thought you said teets. Oh, big, no. Big, big, big teeth slide. Big teeth slide. Yeah. That sounds dangerous, but also compelling. Yeah. I guess Psychonauts has it. a lot you can do with that stuff with the different oh, worlds. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Just one brain after another. Uh, bringing in a couple of super chats here. Uh, Irish Nexus says Marvel Snap new card Beta Ray Bill is out today. Uh, and then uh, Nathan Gla- uh, Glancy says Tim just had a shout out Manic Mansion. It was the first video game I ever played, and I had a copy of it uh, on an old MS DOS computer. That was my cousin's. There you go. That's awesome. That's some of the first Mansion. work I ever did in the games industry was just pushing objects around for the Nintendo port of Maniac Mansion. Like, they already oh, made, Ron already made Maniac Mansion when I got there, but then the, they made the NES version of it. And anyway, I was oh, like, yeah. ooh, making games is fun. Super cool. <laughs> Story number five, a group of former Volition staff have formed a new studio. This is Chris Scolian at Video Games Chronicle. A new studio has been formed by a group of former Volition developers, including the creative director of the Saints Row reboot. Shapeshifter Games is based in Illinois and is positioning itself as a co-development studio, which will help other studios with AAA game development. Founded, quote, founded by veteran developers from Volition, Shapeshifter Games was created to partner with world-class developers and publishers on the creation of AAA games, the company description reads on LinkedIn, uh, as spotted by TechRaptor. Quote, Shapeshifter draws upon deep experience in open world and character action games earned while, while, while working on some of the industry's most beloved franchises, end quote. Game development will be led by studio director Rob Loftus, who was the principal producer on Saints Row. Quote, it's been five months since the closure of Volition, but I'm grateful to post that a group of us have reformed as Shapeshifter Games, Loftus posted on LinkedIn. Quote, the industry climate remains tough, and I know I'm fortunate to reconnect with colleagues and turn the page on a new adventure. I'm hopeful for more groups like us and for the brighter days ahead, end quote. Tim, of course, there's been like a lot of uh, sad slash bad news stories in the last year about, you know, layoffs and studio closures and all that. This is a little bit of a light light in the tunnel where it is, hey, Volition closed, but some of us who worked at Volition are creating a new studio and we're going to partner with other studios to help work on their games. Yeah, I was shocked when I heard about Volition because I was just, what? I thought they were, they seemed very successful, making great games. And um, it is nice to see, it's, it's interesting to see what will happen there because Illinois, that's the only studio, I, and Volition is the only studio I was aware of in that area, like mm-hmm. uh, Illinois area. Yeah. And so when you have a lot of people that maybe have moved there for work and then the studio closes, how many, will there be a, a bunch of studios um, that pop up in Illinois, I wonder. That'd be great. I'd be great to hear from anyone from Volition. That'd be nice to see. So I'm, I'm, so Volition, right, was located in Champaign, Illinois, which is where I grew up, and that's yeah. where I'm originally right. from. And like when you want, when you talk about Illinois game studios, I think the only other ones that you can think of are like um, in Chicago area, um, and like I can only think of a couple. You know, I, um, uh, there's. I mean, in I the old Nether- like Midway and everything. Like yeah, Midway huge Game Center in Chicago, which I think right. turned into Netherrealm, right? And so I think Netherrealm might be Chicago based, and then. Um, what was the bear? You remember the wrestling battle royale that came out um a couple years ago? Oh, I was that, gonna say then, Wrestle Quest, but that's the no, RPG. Wrestle, oh no, yeah, you're right. That's the RPG. That's the RPG that came out. But that studio, I think, is also in Illinois. Rumbleverse. Rumbleverse. Thank you once again, chat. But chat, correct me if I'm wrong. Jackbox, Jackbox team is also in Chicago as well. Um, Iron Galaxy is, is what I was thinking of. I th- right. think they might be Chicago, Chicago based. But correct me if I'm wrong. Either way. When you're talking about central Illinois, where is yeah. where um, uh, that's where Champaign is, there's nothing around. Like Champaign is two hours away from Chicago. If you were working at Volition and your studio closed, right? Like it's not easy to just, to just pick up 
and move to Chicago and then try to find a spot at one of these few other game studios that are there, right? Like, I think the idea of starting your own thing and hopefully, like, you know, having it be a AAA studio that's going to work with other developers, which I think, as I would, I would assume is more of a secure thing than maybe <clears throat> starting up your own game and trying to launch a new IP or work to, like, you know, work on another IP or whatever. I think trying to support other de other AAA devs, I think it might be an easier task to tackle, um, or at least like a more secure task to tackle. I like that they're doing this. I like that they're giving it a shot. And I'm hoping that, yeah, like this provides them secure the security to go, all right, cool, we're able to stay in our area of Illinois, or if they're staying in Champaign, right? Central yeah. Illinois. Yeah, because they probably moved a lot of people there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, is, is that all? Because one of the one of the saddest things in, uh, in games is when a group comes together, like 300 people come together and... Uh, learn to work together, you know, and get really good. Because, you know, you've got to go through a lot of stuff to, like, learn how to be a team, you know. And then to have that, all that knowledge lost when they go to the, the four winds, you know, when they, like, disperse. So if, like, if this startup is holding some of that team together, this team that knows they like working together, you know, that's such a hopeful, hopeful sign. I think. Yeah. And it's even, like, you look at a lot of the other layoffs that are happening, right? And, like, there's been a wave in the industry. And a lot of these these studios are based in, LA or SF or uh, you know in places that are these cities that are expensive to be in and when you get laid off at um, one studio it is all right maybe I'll look towards other studios but when everybody's having layoffs then it becomes a problem because it is oh a lot of people just aren't hiring right and a lot of places are having hiring freezes because money's getting tight and you know that's not um, like those opportunities don't become as available and so yeah to go all right this group in Illinois, we're going to make another studio, we're going to work on this thing, and we're going to try, uh, try to make this work. I think that's a good step, and I'm, I'm wishing them success, because I'm always, I'm always rooting for Volition, because I, I like Red Faction. Um, and also, I like Saints Row. Um, and I just, like, I had friends that worked there growing up, right? And so, like, I'm always, I'm always rooting for that team. Don't forget about Descent. The old Descent guys. Shout out to Descent. Also, Summoner. I never played Summoner, but I think Yusuf loves Summoner, uh, and so shout out to Summoner. <laughs> uh, story number six. Spec Ops The Line has been removed from Steam. This is Chris Skolian at Video Games Chronicle. Spec Ops The Line has been delisted from Steam without warning. As noticed by Reddit user LurkingDanger22, the game was seemingly pulled from the store on Monday. Players visiting the, the game's Steam page are now greeted with a message saying Spec Ops The Line is no longer available on the Steam store. It's not clear yet why the game has been delisted, but other Reddit users have speculated that it may be due to, uh, to the use of licensed music. The game features music from the likes of Jimi Hendrix, uh, Mogway, uh, Deep Purple, Alice in Chains, and York. Uh, Bjork? Bear, how do I say it? B J O R K. Bjork? Bjork? Bjork. Bjork. Yeah. Bjork. Uh, it's, po it. it's possible. Bjork? Bjork. Bjork? Bjork. Bjork. Kids. It's possible, therefore, that the license to use one, uh, one or some of these tracks has expired, leaving 2K with the decision to either delist the game or temporarily remove it uh, while it renews the licenses. Spec Ops The Line. It's a name I've not heard in a while, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> I mean, just hearing about music licensing makes me have, you know, flashbacks to Brutal Legend. I mean, that stuff is very tricky. And one person in the band can, like, cause trouble if they're like i didn't sign that you know so yeah. who knows i don't know i don't want to speculate on what happened there but uh, music licensing a lot of a lot of things you're like where'd my favorite movie go why that show you know why why is that different like a lot of it is um they have really strict rules about that yeah and i we've had stories in the past that are well i think gta 4 was one where like they lost the license and so it was gone for a second but then came back because they figured out the licensing situation like i think this this type of stuff happens um i hope they're able to get, get it back on the store i know spec off the line is a game that um 
it's a game that I think strikes a lot of interesting conversation. I remember when it came out and it felt like everybody had to write a thing about it because it was a game that had a lot uh, of interesting things to say. I never got around to playing it, but like I'm, I, there are so many podcasts I listen to and people in the like, discussions that I heard that had me like, oh shit, okay, it sounds like this game is doing something different and interesting, at least for the time that it came out. And so I feel like something like that should be accessible, right? I think something like that should be, um, you know, something that people should be able to play whenever to get that, um, almost like the piece of history of it. I think was that the spec ops that got into the weird moral, yeah, story where you're doing bad things or something? Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so yeah, I yeah, think I something like this should be available. Like, yeah. But hopefully they're able to figure it out. Tim, hey. there's a lot of big news that we just talked about. But if I wanted something smaller, say the mm -hmm. tiniest news I needed to know about. Where would I look? Well, I think you'd go to our last story, the Wii News Channel, where we cover all the small news items you need to know about. There it is. Perfect. Story number seven. Woo. It's time for Wii News. Xbox has confirmed to Eurogamer that Visions of Mana will in fact not be coming to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League Digital Deluxe Edition is out today for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Death Stranding Director's Cut hits Apple devices today. Uh, Destiny 2 and Bioware are crossing over on February 13th. And then Dragon Quest Builders is coming to Steam on February 13th. And that's it for Wii News. Tim, are you... Are, this I thought that was going to be all about the Wii. I thought that was going to be about... Yeah. No, it's like a little thing we do. Uh, it's W-E-E. It's legally distinct. Yeah, we have it's nothing legally to do with... Distinct. It has nothing to do with Nintendo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Absolutely Even though we nothing. play the exact... No. Yeah, we didn't change the music. music. I don't know How what do you that get that music? That music? That's a, sounds a oh, lot yeah. like, but not exactly like something I've heard before. I don't uh, know. I was just sent a file and I was told to play it. I think you're, you were sent a YouTube link <laughs> to an extended version of a song that exists. <laughs> it makes me happy, whatever it is. Uh, are you, is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, is that something that you're going to check out? That's, what, that's like the hot news of the, of the, or the hot game that's dropping right now. It's not the next thing. It's not the next thing I would check no. out. I mean, you're, I, all on, you're all in on Persona 3. That's what I'm always scared of coming over here and talking to Greg is that he'll bring up DC Comics and I'll be like, I don't know anything about uh... I said, I'm with you. I'm tired of, these, <laughs> I'm tired of people trying to push DC Comics on us. <sighs> I can, they I tried, can, they failed. I can generate interest for Ghostbusters and fake it for wrestling, but not DC Comics. God, you're just like me. <laughs> I, I feel that. I'm over here. I'm like, all right, cool. I guess CM Punk is back. <laughs> all right. I don't, oh, man. Anyway. Are you going to play? <sighs> Up until now, it's been a hard, not a hard no, but I've been like, I'm just not interested. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, I'm like, the idea of the Suicide Squad, I like the, the like, latest couple of Suicide Squad movies. James Gunn one. Like, the James yeah. Gunn one, and then... Um, Birds of Prey before that, which I know actually isn't Suicide right. Squad, but it had Harley Quinn. Um, but like that stuff, I liked. But just the idea of Suicide Squad in general doesn't excite me. And I'm not a DC person like that, even though I watched a lot of Arrow and a lot of Flash. <laughs> I liked a lot of the CW stuff, but I it's not enough to bring me in on its own. And then um, it being more of a multiplayer live service type thing also mm -hmm. didn't appeal to me. And then I saw the gameplay uh, reveal um like last year with the state of <clears throat> state of play and I, like none of it really spoke to me in a big way that had me excited that said now that the game is playable for if you had like the um the early version like the ultimate edition um i've been seeing some things online of people being like oh man the story is actually pretty good yeah. and i'm like ooh, <clears throat> should i check this thing out and people being like oh yeah like i think jordan midler was the, was the one who tweeted out you know it is Essentially, like the Division Two, but mm. DC Comics, and the mm -hmm. in the writing and story is actually not that bad. And I'm like, oh, I could, I could maybe be into that. Yeah. And so we'll see. After you replay all the Persona games. After I replay all the yeah, Persona yeah, yeah, yeah. games and get to the top rank of Tekken Eight, and 
I probably by that time I'm gonna be playing Final Fantasy VII Rebirth anyway, so I'll have to finish that. Hey, really and then you'll games? finally play Psychonauts too, right? And then, and then I gotta play Psychonauts. Psychonauts Let's bump that up to the top. Yeah. Maybe I'll replay Broken Age. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ooh, I got. You know, once you know those puzzles, about that. Speedrun it. Speedrun Broken Age. Yeah. Do people speedrun adventure games? I, I mean, they seem like the kind of games you could speedrun because once you know what to do, they're really. It is fast. just like a lot of clicking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of clicking. That's all I've produced. My life do you uh, and you don't have to answer this question because this might be like too like you know you might be in the secretive mode do you have interest of going back and making more adventure <clears throat> games like the point and click style stuff uh maybe i mean i i really just it's i kind of um whatever ideas come into your head you start to get obsessed about and do it so i can't really uh, like when people talk about what you want to do in the future i'm like i don't know it's really dependent on what kind of ideas come into my head yeah you know but i um I definitely, you know, made Psychonauts 2 because I was like, what games do I want? I wish there were more of in the world. And that was like, I would like mm. to play games like Psychonauts 2 all the time that were like, you know, had some platforming, had a lot of story and humor and stuff like that. So I like the, I like the movement of platformer games. I like, yeah. I like I was talking about Celeste. There's something that you learn something and then pretty soon you feel graceful. Like you feel like you're doing, or like you're playing Tekken. Like once you can do that 10 hit combo, you feel like you're this athlete. Yeah. And you are an athlete. Like you, because you learned a physical thing that you, couldn't do before so i like integrating that in with story and, and jokes and yeah. all the stuff that we like to do i asked because yeah broken age um like as a modern adventure game like point and click style you know like that's not a thing we get all the time like we had we had the recent most recent um monkey island game yeah that came out uh like a year or so ago disco elysium, disco elysium even though i almost put that more as like a like crpg style mm -hmm. thing like a Baldur's gate 3 but yeah i think it had it's like I feel like it's has some elements, has a feel that vibe a little bit. Well. Yeah, um, but yeah, you don't get as much of that, and I think there is space for that. But also, there is like, it is archaic. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's, I think it's a genre genre mm -hmm. that, that that could use a lot of like modernization or a lot of I guess modern takes on it, right? Because when I think of of um, classic point and click adventures, I think of staring at my computer and clicking on everything because yeah. <laughs> I can't figure out how, what it needs to interact with what. And so now yeah, I'm yeah. trying to combine bread with like a clock on the wall to see if that opens up my next path. And I re even remember playing Broken Age and like having to look up a guide to be like, all right, what, what am I missing here? And then when I figure it out, I'm like, oh, okay, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I would love to see what people in 2024 do with the genre, yeah. right? Looking back and trying to identify how are ways that we can modernize this and figure out how to make it speak to an audience today. I'm not saying you couldn't do it. I, the challenge of it, fitting it in the modern age is not the tech or anything. It's that when we had, when you were playing, when I was playing Zork as a kid, or all, I love text adventures. Bjork? It was the, uh, not Bjork. Oh. So when you're playing, <laughs> when you're playing Zork and listening to Bjork, you, um, and there's a whole parody video in there somewhere. Like, um, you, that's all, that's the only game I had that summer. Like, that's all I had to do. Like, if I was trying to get Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy playing it, like, so you'd bang your head on a puzzle all day, and then you'd go to sleep, and you'd wake up just knowing how to solve it. You'd be yeah. like, oh, I figured that out in my sleep or something. And that's such a satisfying feeling. And that's a great feeling, and it's hard now where there's, like, you could just instead just go online and look up the solution really easily, or, or just start being mad about being stuck. You'd start playing another game. There's so many other things to do. It's really hard to stay in that mode of, like, letting yourself be stuck yeah. and be frustrated. And it's, I, it's wild because I also, I, I wonder, is that an adventure game problem versus when I played The Witness, like, there are guides out there that I could look up for the witness, but I didn't Absolutely. want to look up those yeah. guides because I know I'm playing a puzzle game. Like I know the fun and satisfaction I've come. I thought about from... it for Baba's you. I'm like, oh, it's just, I'm stuck on like every <laughs> single level that's open to me. I'm stuck on five different. Uh, Don't get me uh, started on Baba's you because Baba's <laughs> hard. Like I love puzzle games. Baba's you kicked my ass. That yeah. game made Did like. You finish it? Oh, I didn't get close. I was like, yeah. I made it to like the second world, and I was like, yeah. I'm out. I can't do this. I mean, I love it, and I it's like when you solve it, like you said, you just like, oh my god, how did I? Yes, yes. 
galaxy brain. You like, yeah. so I'm so smart. But well, that's uh, why I like Patrick's Parabox because yeah. Patrick, like Baba is you is just so difficult. Whereas Patrick's Parabox, slightly difficult, but like go figure it out. Like there's like enough. Like yeah, I haven't you felt know. stumped. And I asked, um, you know, Art from Play Dead, like like because Limbo had this experience of like every time I was just about to give up on a puzzle in Limbo, mm -hmm. it worked right then. And I was like, I was just about to put this controller down. How did you? And I asked like, how did you guys do that? And he goes, we we took years and watched people play it. Like, you just test it. Yeah. And you watch it, and you see where people are getting stuck, and you just make small adjustments to, like, hints and difficulty and stuff like that. So it's very labor-intensive to make, to tune, to tune an adventure game. Yeah. Um, we got a super chat here from Nigel Martin, who says, Tim Schafer, Hot Ones episode, go. What's in, <laughs> what's in his brain? I'm not going to subject you to, like, just eating hot peppers here, even though, in, I don't even know if you have hot peppers, but uh, in, uh, in I'm a, I like a really... Uh, I'm not like someone with an iron stomach for like hot. I would probably mm -hmm. just be tapping out after the first one. Like I got so hot, but yeah. maybe not. We it's do like finally have the hot, like the really hot, hot sauce that Roger wasn't able to get for the Greg one that he did. Oh, we still have it. Oh, he just got it finally, like a uh, couple days ago. Here, bring it out. I'm let's, scared let's about like it. what? Why are those hot? Like, what are they doing to your body? What is happening there? Is that something humans are supposed to be eating? Absolutely. Pep not. Oh, like really hot peppers. I feel like I need to take my contacts out because I don't want to have those in. Oh, for sure. But that's there must be some sort of like poison that you're taking in your body to make yeah, your body react like, like that. What's just, happening? That's that's what being a human is. Taking in poison? Yeah, half the things we put in our <laughs> bodies are great for us. I think it's avoidable if you work hard on like, it. Like we what, we drink alcohol and like we drink. Yeah, and, I, and I listen, I'm not I'm not casting shade towards any of these things because listen, I love to drink alcohol. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like you know, we we eat so much processed food and we do we do all the stuff that we shouldn't. So, but we enjoy it, and so we do it anyway. <laughs> This is part of life. Okay. Okay. Tim, it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. That's where you write in. Let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. IRR Gamer says, just as additional information, it seems Spec Ops Align was <laughs> only removed from Steam, not from other platforms. Interesting. Hmm. The plot thickens. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe somebody pressed the button on accident. Who knows? <laughs> But there you go. That's it for your wrong, which means... Wait, that's the only mistake we made? Only mistake we made. I planted at least three other mistakes just to see if to see that. They're not paying attention. No one, no one caught them. Yeah. I know there are a thousand people out there listening right now, but just like, yeah. they're, they're slacking. It's actually pronounced Bajork. That was one of the mistakes. So Bajork? Yeah. Bajork. Bajork. Tim, it's been a wonderful episode. Thank, Thank you so much for joining me. It's a fun show. It's nice to be in the space. I feel so welcome, and uh, it's, a very, it's a very fantastic... I've learned a lot. I've also learned a lot. Yeah, hell yeah. I did not expect to talk about adventure games. Listen, that's why I, 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 I when, before you came on, yeah. right, I, I did my research. I had to figure out who's my guest. Mm. Do, you, do you think I knew who Tim Schafer was before today? No, I had to look <laughs> up. <laughs> Does anyone? Do but I? Also, I just like Broken Age. Does so. anyone know anyone? Um, where can people go to support Day of the Devs? Uh, I think dayofthedevs.com is the quickest place to find all the links. There's a fundraising going on to, for the show, so we can, and they should come look up when the live show, if you're in San Francisco or LA or can get there. Go to, I would recommend just going to one of those live shows. They're so fun. They're just, they're really like inspiring. They make you want to play more games. They make you want to make games. Uh, they make you love games. Hell yeah. And Barrett has the, the thing pulled up on the video to the website. Uh, can you pull that back up again? Because I, I want to see what the goal is. The goal Whoa. is $500,000. Right now they're uh, about to hit $40,000. Go over to the Day of the Devs website, uh, donate and support. It's a great way. If you're one of those people out there, like many of us here, that are like, yo, indie games need support. You know, like we got to put more of the, uh, a spotlight on more of these games. We want more creative games. If you're somebody who 
is looking for that kind of thing, Daily Devs is making that happen. And so go over to the website, hit the button, support Daily Devs so they can um, uh, do more of the streams, do more of the showcases, do things like being in the at the MoMA and showing off the games. It's really cool. Without making a profit. Without making a profit. And if you're a developer, submit your game and come show your game. There you go. And if they want to sub submit their game, where do they go for that? At the same website. Same website. DailyDevs.com. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday, we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about live on YouTube, Twitch, and podcast services around the globe. If you love what we do, please support us with the Kind of Funny membership on Patreon or YouTube to get all of our shows ad-free, watch us record them live, and get a daily exclusive show. Until next time, Game Daily. Shake hands. Ooh.